This is alternative history. Darn it! This is alternative. <laughs> oh yeah! This is alternative history. We're back. We've been off for a while because I hurt my back, so we haven't been recording. Indeed, indeed. Have you been putting any Ice Cube on it? Oh, yeah. Lots of Ice Cube. Uh, some America's Most Wanted. A lot of Predator. A little bit of NWA. How about Lethal Injection? Oh, lots of Lethal Injection. Clear, cleared it right up. Right up. But in all, in all seriousness, I did hurt my back. Um, I had the ball temerity to uh, try to cut my toenails one day. And boom. Just, yep. Uh, com- uh, it's a common podcasting injury. Uh, I've heard, I've to heard. hurt your back. I mean, you sit on your butt all day listening to podcasts, plotting your podcast, and recording your podcast. Something is going to give. Uh, which yes. is, in my case, my lower back. But through uh, a little bit of modern medicine, a little bit of chiropractic care, and some ice cube, I am um, back and we are recording. I'm glad you're healthy. I'm glad you're feeling better, bro. Let's get back to work. Let's do this. All right. We are the Alternative History Podcast. Where, uh, where we normally talk about a topic, uh, let you know what happened with that topic, and decide if that topic merited a uh, different perspective, a different perception, and alternative history. Yes. And on today's episode, we are going to be talking about the 1971 Grant, well, in particular, the 1971 uh, Best Record for the Grammys. For the Grammys. The thesis is... Didn't I Blow Your Mind This Time should have been nominated for Record of the Year and won that award as well. Yeah, it did not. I believe it was A Bridge Over, Trou- or Bridge Over Troubled Water by uh, Simon and Garfunkel. Indeed. So before we get into that, just want to talk a little bit about uh, our about the podcast. Uh, we haven't recorded for a while, so we uh, this is our second season that we're in. And some of the uh, past episodes that we, we, we talk about how some of our past episodes have come back and been in the uh, in the news recently. So uh, Sears, we talked about Sears, and they are continually just, just falling apart. They are completely gone now. Actually, let's be honest about it, Brian. We say we're like the kiss of death. We be cursing people. Kiss so of death, we are, yeah. We are trying to do it. It just happens, and, and it just seems to keep on happening. I, I mean, Sears, this, like you just to said. To be, I mean... Per- in all honesty, Sears was on its way out before we started recording this. I mean, they were they were pretty much on their last legs. But after we recorded this episode, the death knell was rung many, Hard, many times exactly. like, to much. the point where they finally did. I believe we mentioned in the podcast that they were one of the most, uh, in that episode, they were one of the most likely businesses of 2018 to declare bankruptcy. And Boom. there we have it. Sure have. Declared sure, bankruptcy. Sure. And after... We might not see them around after Christmas. I was wrong. Yeah, I so, thought they'd be able to bounce back. I was yeah, completely so incorrect. Did I. Yeah, Speaking but. of what else I was incorrect about, I know we, uh, I know we essentially blessed Croatia. Is how you feel, and I, yes. I can't argue with that. But I kind of feel like we definitely cursed Brazil at Neymar again because going into that last World Cup, Neymar was a star, was a superstar, was one of the best players in the world, top three type stuff. And then uh, after that World Cup, he's one of the most hated players in the yeah, world. Yeah, just uh, he falls down a lot. Uh, he took some dives. Yeah. I'm not going to argue. I, I, I can't defend it. Whatever it happens. I, I think I mentioned that we we don't have power over physics like that, but it's just it just, it just, it just seems to, seem to be happening. every time we talk about something, uh, it just seems to they kind of fall apart. And one well, right? so our Brewers didn't make it to the World Series. Not that we cursed them with the episode, but they, we we talked we t- we had an episode about the '82 Brewers. 
gave them a World Series championship. I don't think we're going to be able to do that with this team. It didn't seem like there was any. They just seemed like they either got outcoached or outplayed by the Dodgers, unfortunately. It was a, it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was uh, We haven't had something like that in a long time. Like in 2011, we had some postseason, and it was a good postseason run. But this was a fun year. For this team seemed like they had it. Like, yep. they, they, like if they were going to uh, – any of the playoff teams, 08, 2011, of recent history, 08, 2011, and this team, they, this team seemed like they had the best chance and what Brian just alluded to, it's the Brewers' fifth postseason appearance. Like that never happens, really, if you think about it. So, like, yeah. it was a lot of fun that we were here. You know that it was it was happening. It was really fun for the city. And as I alluded to in that episode, I think the thing I was most happy for was Bob Buecher got to announce in the postseason. Sure, but it was unlucky. Hopefully, he hopefully he'll get another chance next year. And like to that end, it's a little offbeat, but you brought it to my attention earlier, and, and I agree. Maybe some people should be listening to our podcast and they wouldn't get themselves in so much trouble. Ah, maybe a certain Megan Kelly. All we have to do is just go back to the first episode that we recorded and you would know that blackface is terrible. It's yeah. not even an issue or a question. Just don't bring it up ever. It, it's <laughs> not good. Uh, there's no circumstance. You can't where justify it. It can be good. And I'm not sure that she did that. I just think that she should have not even broached the topic the way she did. And yeah. if she would have listened to our show... She might have known that. It's got awful. That's about all you can say about it. So, And if she would have listened to episode one of the Alternative History Podcast, Megan Kelly would, would still have a job at NBC. I don't know if she's been fired as of this date, but it sounds like that's she's on her way out. Apparently, on her, on her way out. So now, we won't be doing an episode on that. If she if she's if she's gone, that's that's fine. Now that we're talking about that, man, I'm not even sure I want to talk about the Delphonics. But we'll see what happens. Well, we were... no. Oh yeah. Well, Delphonics aren't around anymore, are they? Are they well, even? They're not recording anymore. Are no, they? but their people are still around. So I just don't want you know nothing bad to happen to them now. Like, well, we we haven't killed anyone yet no, on this podcast. I suppose, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Maybe I shouldn't say anything. Knock on wood. So the other thing that we do. On our on our episode or on our show during our episodes, that we go into the year that something happened before yes. we talk about it, just to give a little bit of context, historical why historically. In this case, we're talking about the seventy one Grammys, but all the music that we're talking about came out in nineteen seventy. So we're looking at nineteen seventy. So let's talk about for me the year in film in nineteen seventy. Top five gross were five Woodstock, four Patton, three Mash, two Airport. And one love story uh, at the Oscars, best picture, best director for Franklin Schaffner, and best actor George Scott were all won for the movie Patton. And the movies that were released that year that I kind of liked, Brian, were Beneath, The Planet of the Apes, Beyond, Valley of the Dolls, Gimme Shelter, Julius Caesar, Little Big Man, Mash, and lastly, Catch 22. Yeah, so this was a weird year for me for movies because I I've seen parts of some of these movies. I've never I haven't seen any of these movies oh, really? like in, in their entirety. And I looked up a lot of the movies from that year, and it was just to me uh, not a very good year for movies. Maybe they're just movies I didn't watch. I don't think they're movies but... you watch. They're pretty good. But you and I went to go see a concert many years ago. We went to go see Motley Crue like way way back in the day. Okay. And the background movie was Beyond Value of the Dolls. Oh. Okay. So that's how I was introduced to that movie oh, because okay. I saw it in, in that. I had no idea. Heck is that? Right. So that's how I found out about that movie. I wasn't. I probably wasn't. Well, I had no idea. It probably wasn't because I was inebriated. I'm not sure. I was probably enthralled with By the Molly drumming, music, the drumming yes. and the guitaring and the and, and the singing and such. Agreed. Agreed. Top notch musicians. <laughs> they were. They were. All right. TV shows. So haven't really like again with the movies and I don't know if just 1970. I just wasn't paying attention 
I mean, I wasn't alive, of course, but like a lot of the stuff that happened in 1970 didn't come back like into my shows. you know purview. I'm wondering. So, well, yeah, well, what, I have no idea what shows you're going to mention, yeah, so well, I'm going to be very interested in seeing what I remember about syndication with these shows. So. Uh, Marcus Welby, MD. Don't remember that show. That was the top show. I have no recollection of that uh, show. The Flip Wilson Show. I kind of know about Heard that, that show. Yep. I know who Flip Wilson is. Exactly. I've never, never seen any of it. Uh, here's Lucy. Lucille Ball. Rem- not remake, but uh, uh, what's the next one? Spin-off. Spin-off. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Ironside. I know that one. And then Gunsmoke, which is probably that. in its like Man, 18th it season. It was on for like 20 yep. seasons or something like really that. Good. And uh, Burt Reynolds, R.I.P., was on that show mm-hmm. for a while. So go to music. I'm not going to spend too much time on music because we're going to be talking a lot about music, but the, the number one song, of course, is the, the record of the year for 71, Bridge Over Troubled Water yep. by Simon and Garfunkel. Second is Close to You by The Carpenters, another song we'll be talking about. American Woman by The Guess Who. Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head by BJ, I Have No Idea What an Umbrella Is, Thomas. And War by Edwin Starr. Um, news, pretty obvious, 1970, we were, the U.S. was still involved with Vietnam. Uh, that kind of dominated the headlines. There was a lot of protesting. Four students were killed at Kent State by the uh, National Guardsmen during a student demonstration. There were bombings all over the country by uh, radical groups protesting Vietnam and, and Richard Nixon in general. Beatles break up. Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin both passed away at the age of 27. That Kent State shooting inspired Neil Young to write Ohio, which um, which we think is a, which I think is a fantastic song. Yeah, I'm assuming you also. Which uh, which song. was a weird quirk about the Grammys is that this, a song has to have been like it has to be associated with an album to be it can't be a single. Like Instant oh, Karma, yes, that's Instant exactly Karma came out in 1970 also, and they, and they were both of those pretty good superior <laughs> songs. To some of the songs we'll be talking about. In the agree, moment. totally agree. 1970 was a pretty huge year in sports, almost kind of like defining for the culture. So, check this out. In the NFL, Super Bowl, five, I'm sorry, I can't even do the math anymore. Super Bowl four, Kansas City Chiefs beat <laughs> one, the Minnesota Vikings. Two, it was the eight. it was the one of the V. It <laughs> threw me off. I was like, wait, I'm sorry. Super Bowl four, Kansas City Chiefs beat the Minnesota Vikings 23 to seven. Chicago Bear Brian Piccolo passes away on June 16th, inspiring the film Brian's Brian Song. Song. Vince Lombardi dies on September 3rd. Damn. On October 2nd, Wichita, Wichita State football team loses half of its team in a plane crash. And sadly and coincidentally, on November 14th, Marshall University loses all of its players in a plane accident. Ugh. Well, you, so, you know, I was just going to say, I, I, I had no idea about the Wichita State one. Me neither. I but just, it was because the Marshall one happened. I knew about the Marshall one, exactly. So apparently you got to, like... To get a like, if half your team dies, it's not as bad as if your whole team, team dies. Does. Obviously, right, that's what it sounds like. Because there's a movie about the Marshall starring like, Matthew yeah. McConaughey. Exactly. So I, I did not know about Wichita State. It just goes to show you, if you got to have a full blown tragedy to get a movie. I mean, I'm surprised Tom Hanks wasn't in that. Remember, we were talking about Tom Hanks. How whenever there's some kind of vehicular tragedy, he's, he's, in, usually, he's usually involved somehow. He was probably a producer on that movie. So. I don't mean to make light of any of that. Thank you, I got you. So, Kurt Flood files a civil lawsuit challenging baseball's reserve clause, and after many years, he wins, creating essentially free agency. April 7th, the Milwaukee Brewers play the first game ever at Milwaukee County Stadium. Doc Ellis pitches a no-hitter for the Pirates. Later, famously revealed he was under the influence of LSD. Uh, and the really? Old, yep. 
Yeah, there's a documentary on Netflix. Uh, and the Orioles beat the Reds 4-1 to one in, five, in a five-game series. In basketball, UCLA beats Jacksonville 80-69 to 69 in the NCAA Final, and the New York Knicks beat the Lakers four games three in the NBA Finals. Sadly, in boxing, on December 30th, Sonny Liston passed away at age 38. And the most important thing that happened in 1970 sports-wise is that Brazil won the 1970 World Cup, Pele winning his third championship. Nice. Let's talk about the Grammys. All right. So the first Grammy was awarded in May of 1959, and the the way they started is actually kind of interesting. They started through the Hollywood Beautification Project several years prior. So what the Hollywood Beautification Project was was a bunch of people from industries of like film, TV, and music got together to determine a a Walk of Fame. So it was the creation of the Hollywood oh, Walk of Fame. Absolutely. So they got together and these six record executives realized that, well, they give out awards for movies and, and TV. Why, why not, not music, else? right? Yeah, it makes sense. For so sure. by the time that they put the uh, Grammys together, the Oscars were 30 years old, the Emmys were 10 years old. So they were a little behind in the times with, mm. uh, and I mean, music was around before TV and, and you know, Films. So seems kind of odd that no, you know, they were the last ones to yeah. try to you know self-congratulate themselves. But it's interesting. I never even thought about that. You're absolutely right. That's good work. So the the Grammy it was so it was designed to look like a, a gramophone. Yeah. But it wasn't necess- it wasn't called the Grammy right away. I read this article from 1959 and they they had said a nickname had, hadn't been given and they uh, they suggested a uh, disky. I, <laughs> I guess they may have called them discs instead of records initially. Uh, makes sense. But disc, could you imagine like, and the disky goes to. I can see a lot of faux pas. How about that? Yeah. How about the albumies? Huh? Huh? The albany al al albumies? Oh, that I can't even say it. That's <laughs> an awful. That's an yeah. awful suggestion. I guess it's not. I guess it's not a good idea. Never mind. No, so no, you're I'm sorry. Not, I put it out there. So uh, they they initially went, and then they also wanted to call them uh, the Eddie. After Thomas Edison, who <laughs> I like that too, That's who invented good. the gramophone, That's really good. So I, I believe it, it. It was called Eddie for a little bit, and then they, they ended up with Grammy, which just it seems better than those two. So yeah. Grammys, best record category. So, let me talk real quick on the history of the Grammy too. And sure. this is something I just want to talk about that I found interesting about this 1971 Grammy. There were a bunch of nominees that I found interesting. Like for example. I love that there was a nomination for Best Album Cover. B.B. King won it for it. Indianola, Mississippi Seeds. I'm going to talk about a couple of these interesting nominees and winners real quick before we give the final result. I just want to share it out. All right, so uh, Best Record is one of the most prestigious categories for the Grammys. Okay. And it claims to be awarded to overall excellence in recording without regard to record sales, which... If you look at the history of the that we picked this that we picked this song, for sure. but if you look, if you really look at like the winners and losers, it, it, oh, it's it's not, it doesn't right? necessarily seem to be the case. It kind of leans towards popular music. A notable example is 2018 when Bruno Mars won for 24K Magic. He was up against Redbone by Childish Gambino, an excellent song. Story of OJ by Jay Z. And humble by Kendrick Lamar. I love Kendrick Lamar. All three of those songs are phenomenal, uh, superior in my opinion to 24K Magic. Uh But if you're making dinner and trying to entertain your kids, 
24K magic gets them dancing. You can't listen to the story of OJ, is what you're saying? Uh, Humble, Humble wasn't doing it for him. Neither was Redbone. I got you, I got so, you. You know, I mean, it was just more of a poppy song. So, anyhow. Understood. Best record is awarded to a single song. It's the best recording. It's essentially uh, the best song put into practice. So, best song. So, there's best record and there's best song. Best song is just the best song that was written and composed. So the way I, I think of it is best record equal, if you put it in terms of like movies, best record equals best picture. It's the best mm-hmm. final product, right? And best screenplay would be best song. The award started in 1959, category expanded in 1966 to include a producer. Uh, 1999 expanded to include a recording engineer and 2013 expanded to include the master engineer. Do not ask me what any of those people do. But for the reward of that, I mean, so like rather than so when you win the best record, you you don't give it to just like the artist, you give it to the engineer. Like they all get Understood a Grammy. Not. Everyone gets a Grammy. Understood. And not. it's a joke that like practically everyone does have a Grammy. I was thinking so, about when we started talking about Grammys, how Homer Simpson was, won a Grammy for the B Sharps, and then he threw it out. <laughs> yeah, because everyone's got it. He's like, a Grammy? <laughs> Anyhow, so the first 10 years, so what I did was I listened to the, like the, all the songs for the, this record leading up to this year. Yeah. And were, it was kind of dominated by Lighthearted Fair. Volare, you heard that song? It's best known, sung by Dean Martin. The individual that won it was not Dean Martin, I forget his name, but that was the very first best record. A lot of theme music won from from like movies. Mac the Knife won. Oddly enough, uh, Simon and Garfunkel did win two years, a year previous in 1969. The 1969 Grammys, they won for uh, Mrs. Robinson. So when they when Simon and Garfunkel won in 1969 for Mrs. Robinson, it kind of marked a change where they were kind of moving from lighthearted fare to a little bit more serious contemporary, contemporary stuff. stuff. Yeah, I don't want to say I'm not quite, I'm not quite ready to say that it was counterculture stuff that they were uh, nominating or willing to give the best record to because. As we'll see, if we talk a little bit when we talk a little bit more about Simon and Garfunkel, they were more of a they had one foot in the counterculture and one foot in the establishment. Commercialism, pop, yeah, because they started out as basically the Everly Brothers, the Tom and Jerry, yeah, right? That's what they're trying to do. Exactly. So, so that that that's the Grammys and the best record. Let's get into a little bit of the Delphonics and then the, the actual nominees. So because the Delphonics won for best R&B performance, duo or group, vocal or instrument that year, that's why I kind of proposed they should be nominated for this award, the Grammy for best record. I looked at two artists that were nominated and I felt that they had similar track record in the sense that Ray Stevens and the Carpenters both were nominated and won for other awards. I thought that would be a good lead-in for the Delphonics. Just so, so you know. R- real quick, uh, Ray Stevens won one? I was going to, he won like, two, actually. Let me tell you, he won one for, it was nominated for Record of the Year, and then he won for Contemporary Male Vocalist and Sacred Performance. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming the voters were, were deaf, or <laughs> maybe took the day off. Possibly. The Carpenters... Seed their way out of it. Coincidentally... He happened to be C on the ballot, on all these ballots. For they were they also won for a contemporary vocal group and uh, for the work on most of you. Yeah. I mean I we'll get to Ray Stevens a little bit more. I just couldn't couldn't get into him. A little early, I got you. So so then right before we continue for real, the actual nominees for Record of the Year in 1971 were Simon and Garfunkel's Bridge Over Turtle Water, J. 
James Taylor's Fire and Rain, Ray Stevens' Everything is Beautiful, Beatles' Let It Be, and The Carpenters, Close to You. So, let's talk about Bridge Over Troubled Water first. Okay. It went uh, number one in the U.S. and the U.K. and spent an amazing 300 weeks on the chart. It's a pretty good song, in my opinion. The album itself has four singles, or four different singles, besides Bridge Over Trollwater, including El Condor Pasta, Cecilia, which is far better, yes. and Bridge Over Trollwater. Yeah. I'm sorry, not Bridge Over Trollwater, and The Boxer, also far better. Yeah. I like the song, don't get me wrong, I'm, trying, I'm not trying to come off like I'm hating on it. It won the award, it was very good. One of the things that this song does that I really like, and you know this about me, I really like when singers feel the song. Yeah. So, Elvis in Kentucky Rain, that he feels it there. When he's talking about, was it yesterday or the day before? Like, American Trilogy. Who knows? Who knows? American Trilogy. He feels it. It's it's in his heart. Yeah. And, ben, like, Ben and Michael Jackson totally just feels that song. I mean, was it a gerbil, right? Rat. Rat. At 2 minutes and 20 seconds in this song, Garfunkel really, really feels like a bridge or trawler. It, it feels pretty good. Like, that's part I really like. That's probably my favorite part of the song. He probably, he was probably feeling, I'm so happy that Paul Simon wrote this song for me. <laughs> but as he had his whole career. Because that was an interesting band, right? Like, they were like, they both sang, but yeah. pretty much Paul Simon did all the work. Yeah. And, and, and that's not true, because Art Falco could sing, but like, Paul Simon, it, it was a really weird dynamic is what I found. Yeah, well, uh, Paul Simon seemed to be more of like a, a, like a perfectionist taskmaster kind of personality so I mean I could see how you know it, maybe he's just like Art's like well man, he's putting some pretty fantastic music out he's gonna sit back and make some movies that's eventually essentially what happens but it's a little more than that because Paul Simon because he did all the work was also the most popular or more popular of the group of the two and so Art Garfunkel looked at movies as a way to embiggen his soul <laughs> he he looked at movies as a vehicle to strengthen his brand yeah, yeah, definitely. I just I think it's an excellent song. In preparation for this episode, I listened to this song and all the other songs probably about I don't know eight hundred seventy-two thousand billion times. It gets to the point where so it's like if, if you eat something that's really delicious and sweet, and you just and you eat it a lot, it gets to the point. Well, up. it gets to the point where it's like you can't eat it anymore. I it's got like, you. You just feel like ugh. So you thought this was a little saccharine? Yeah, it was just too. I look at it like comfort food, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's good every now and then, but if you listen to it over and over and over, it just kind of, it's just too sweet. And it's you. just too, it's too, it's like a perfect pop song. And, and, and it's almost like, it's like staring into the sun. Which is what they're trying to do, but yes, yeah. I understand exactly what you're saying. It's a good point. It's almost too perfect. I feel you. But, so, I also read a lot of the lyrics of all these songs and trying to analyze them, how how I felt, like, what the songs lyrically meant and I didn't really feel this this one like it, it didn't really like to me it, it songs work best when they're telling a story this seemed kind of be like hey you know I'm having a hard time I'll, I got I'll turn back. into I'll your human out. bridge thanks yeah I got you I got machines for that Paul Simon <laughs> thank you human bridge I got you <laughs> but I, I hear what you're saying I feel you but anyhow next song uh, that was nominated was James Taylor's Fire and Rain so one thing before we continue with Fire and Rain uh, James Taylor's first album was self-titled and produced at Beatles Apple Records. Yes. The reason I find that interesting is that that album bombed, didn't do very well. He was kind of upset with the management. They were actually working on Let It Be. Yeah. 
His second album is released. It's titled Sweet Baby James, and it features the participation of Carol King. And uh, the song Fire and Rain is the big hit. Like, I, yeah. it's, it's a huge song. I found this really interesting in one of the sources that we read. A book called Fire and Rain the, by, by David Brown. By spring of 1970, more kids in their late teens and early 20s were attending colleges and universities more than ever. Over 7 million. A 30% increase from 1965. Think about that. That's that's a huge amount of people yeah. in the school. In also. the book, too. I read the book also, and they mentioned a lot of, a lot of his sales were at campus record stores. And they, they actually mentioned Madison oh. University. University of Wisconsin Madison several times. Yep, exactly. I, was, I had the same thing. But his there. album was more. It was more of a slow burn. It, it kind of picked up steam as the year went along. It did not start exactly. It was not hot. Like it was a slow yeah. train, and all of a sudden it became huge again. The main song that was buoyed by Fire and Rain. Fire song. And, Rain yeah. and Fire and Rain is a good song. Like it's deep. You know, I mean, he does a really good job singing. He does a really good job on the guitar. Like you yeah. really can't argue this. It, it, that's a good song. Like when I compare it to some of the other tracks that we compare to. Again, it's a real, a much more honest song, a much more true song. Yeah, I think a song I can get with because it's lyrically, real. I think it's the best of of these songs. Even it's just as good, if not better, than Did Nice lyrics also by the Delphonics. Where the where I don't like the song, I've never been a big fan of Taylor's voice mm. or just like his late, like his his music just seems way like he seems like Jimmy Buffett with an edge. Yeah, like that. I, 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 I don't. I don't. It doesn't really do anything for me. Doesn't so doesn't make sense. I hear you. And one of my that doesn't make sense. I'm sorry. Uh, it doesn't struck a chord at all. Like for me either. Yeah. And like I, I kind of get annoyed with it or tired with this music. To be honest with you, other than Fire and Rain, like other stuff that I've heard of his, I can, I can sit through Fire and Rain. Other songs I'm usually skip or, or change the radio station. I mean, I sat through it a lot. <laughs> I, so. I know when when we when we do this podcast, we we kind of submerge ourselves in these topics, and you kind of. Put yourself. If I feel like Stockholm syndrome, kind of like you're like I feel uh, like trapped. Sometimes by I got you. And we were talking about this off mic about with like Last Man Standing and yeah. like these songs. I may never listen to any of these songs ever again. Yeah, I, I hear you. You when, don't like when Last this Man. episode when, when when the Last Man Standing episode ended. I watched the the reboot or the the, the first episode of the new season. If you it was okay. I just I haven't watched it since. I haven't watched any reruns anymore. I just. Cold turkey myself off the show, and we talked about it off mic. I was surprised. I thought you actually liked the show, is, is what I understood. And then it turns out you just can't deal with it anymore because you watched too much of it. I think, yeah. I hope that's not what happens with this because I no. really like yeah. the Delphonics. I hope you, I hope you still can listen to them. I probably uh, can. I just, it'll take a minute. Back to what you were saying about how he didn't really strike a chord. Another one of the sources is Rock the Rough Guide. There was no entry regarding James Taylor in Rock the Rough Guide. It's kind of surprised me, but it's also not really. A rock star, I guess, is what I can say. He wasn't really rock music. One thing I was interested to find out about James Taylor in 1970 is that he made a movie. Yeah, that's right. What, I forget the I name of the, the name, movie. He, he wasn't very good, right? Or, not that yeah. it wasn't very good. It was like one of these it was called, gorilla it was like, movies. It was something about Blacktop or something like that. He and was like the driver. The driver, yeah. He was the, the Ryan Gosling character before Ryan Gosling in that movie. Yep. Drive. This uh, brings us to not the most contentious, but... You know, for me, easily the song that could be replaced by Delphonics with, without much of an issue, and that is uh, Ray Stevens' Everything is Beautiful. It, I mean, this is the song that gets booted for the Delphonics, hands down. Without a question, right? Yeah, I mean, for looking for a way into the nominee, 
nomination, this is it. Dude, right here. Right here. This, this, is the this is not a very good song. I've never even heard of Ray Stevens. And uh, no, like, neither had I. And maybe it says something about me because I can't explain. I just never heard about the dude. And when I heard this song, I'm like, wow, this is kind of a, another one of these uplifting, unifying songs. Yeah. But it's a little bit like it's, it's churchy. Like it's, it's a real church song. It's like the first thing I wrote down when I, after listening to the song was this song is a dumpster fire of schmaltz. <laughs> like that's all it is to me. I hear you. I, and you, but getting back to never hearing it, so I, like I was playing. I've been playing this music over and over on a loop on Amazon Prime yeah. at work. And my boss came over to my cubicle, and he's like, man, I haven't heard that song in ages. I was like, you've actually heard it? I, I'm telling you, I've never heard it. I don't know anybody that so, heard it. I, yeah, I mean, I think it's a song that lived and died in 1970. Ironically enough, like I say, he won, the song won two Grammy Awards and was also the theme song for his 1970 TV show. I had no idea he had a television show. Nope. Tell me, I never heard the dude. I listened to the album that the song was on, and it was all like covers, and I don't think there was any original music. So I don't know if he actually wrote this song. Maybe he did. Um, or it may have been the only original song on on the album, but the album was terrible. I actually have it as is a song written, composed, and performed by Ray Stevens. It has appeared on many of Stevens' albums. Yeah. So it's like he puts it on more than one album. It's his hit. Yeah. He like, just keeps putting it on. He just there. keeps putting it on. He's like, it's like when. Wait, you know what? I'm gonna sound American mean, Idol puts I'm, their show on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. I'm gonna sound mean. I'm sure we're gonna lose some 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 audience members. But that's fine. But it's like this is the, the kind audience of audience member. The, the few of them that are still around. Is this the kind of song that you you'd find like the super ultra Christian family would allow his kid to listen to as pop music? Yeah, yeah, probably. Right, like, yeah. And, and I'm not trying to be mean, but it's just like, I and mean, there's nothing. There's really, nothing. I mean. Not James Taylor's song uses uh, Lord and Jesus in it, but the rest That's, of it's not very like not, family friendly. Exactly, I mean, it's about it's about a friend who died from heroin, right? A heroin overdose. That's true. Yes, exactly. Like that. He was recovering. It's, it's, it's yeah. multiple things. Be recovering from his own drug addiction, yeah. and a friend could died in treatment. Yeah, but so about the song, uh, everything is beautiful. I get the idea. I mean, everything is beautiful. It's so on the nose that it's almost comical. I mean, I understand what they're trying to say, and it's kind of in that, with that Mr. Rogers vibe, but Mr. Rogers was a lot more deep. And he was, for me, like, when I listened to this song, it felt fake, whereas when you listen or talk to about Mr. Rogers, in that era, it's still real, even now. Like, you watch yeah. YouTube videos about it, or wherever you're at in the future or listening to this, whatever you see, when you look at Mr. Rogers, it feels real. Well, like, Mr. Rogers dealt. He delved deep into the psychology of of why everyone is beautiful. He didn't just say, say it because no. it doesn't make like if you keep say, saying it, it's not going to do anything, right? It's just lip service. This song is like this song is kind of just gigantic lip service. I don't. I pretty much blew it off. I mean, it, it, I mean, I'm sure people liked it back then, but it's yeah. Like I said, for me, this was one song I was dumpster. That fire. was easy for me to remove yeah. from the list. Yeah. This takes us to a song that I thought is very good. Let It Be by the Beatles. It's released on March 6, 1970. It's a, It charts at number two in the UK. It charts in USA number one for two weeks. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's, it's one of the, the better-known Beatles songs. It was on their last album. It gave them their seventh consecutive year charting a number one hit, sharing the same record with Elvis Presley. So to your point, everybody knew them and yeah. their hit for the year, um, one of their hits for the year. Yeah, and it was... I can't say it's one of my... More favorite Beatles songs. Seems one of the more in the more generic category of some of their songs. I think the Beatles work best with their music when they kind of give you like a slice of life kind of song. 
I think A Day in the Life in particular is fabulous. Most everything on Sgt. Pepper's and uh, Magical Mystery Tour, stuff like that, I think is more where I kind of really fell in love with them. And, and even Abbey Road, there's a lot of, you know, like yep. uh, Polythene Pam, uh, Me, Mr. Mustard, stuff like that, Maxwell Silverhammer. So with this song, it just seems, I don't know, it's just too, it's, it's first to me, it's, it's very similar to Bridge Over Trip Water. Water. Me too. I thought that it, uh, when I was a kid, I liked the song a lot. This was yeah. probably my favorite song by them, actually, to be honest with you. But when I listen to it now, and when I listen to the record it was on, I like both, I think it's called Across the Universe, and I like the long and, and winding road. Yeah. That's a much better song, yeah. like, uh, as far as I'm concerned. But Let It Be has an excellent, excellent, heavy guitar riff at minute 153. I think I really like that. Like I, I still think it's some good Beatles music at the end of the oh, day. Oh, yeah. It's it's, a great, I mean, it's a fabulous song. It's it, it's uh, well done. And, and it, it actually was the, my window into the Beatles, because mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember this... Uh, the Sesame Street used to do a spoof on it. Uh, letter B. Letter B. Letter B. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And awesome. it was, and that was, the, that was the first time I actually heard a Beatles song. And I mean, it was a spoof of it, but so I mean, the song has been in my consciousness since I was probably like four. The thing is with me, the reason that it, like not even issues with it, but it's the third song that's like again happy, uplifting, unifying, but it's like surface is not real. To me, so, or maybe, I, I'm not trying to. Maybe, maybe that's not what I'm trying to say. It just seems like it seems like it glosses over these kind of topics as opposed to actually delving into them. Is yeah, what I kind of feel like. I think you you'll make more sense when we talk about the Delphonics in a minute. Mm. But or even the next song. Yeah, like, but, like, but, but like with this song, so I, we talked about this previously. Kurt Vonnegut, Slaughterhouse Five. There's a saying, so it goes. Right. Anytime anything awful happens in the book, he says, "So it go." He writes, "So it goes." To me. Let it be is kind of it. It it wants to be that, but it's too like it's you said. The opposite, right? It's like it's, like, it, it's so it goes. Kind of is like is it, it? It's saying things are bad. Things are going to happen. Nothing you can do. About nothing it. you can do about it. It let it be is kind of like saying bad things are ha- are happening. Just let it go. Let it go. And it seems to be more of a uh, passive thing, as opposed to uh, and so it goes. It's just kind of, it's not a passive or or a aggressive thing. It's just kind of like what that that do whatever you do. It's just the horrible things are gonna, bad things are gonna happen. You're gonna have bad days. People are gonna die. It's you're, not much you can do about it. Whereas let it be is more like you know, it's not worth saving or like you know it's it's, it's bad enough or because it's bad let it go. Like, yeah. You know, let them do it. Whereas I can see, I can see what you're saying. But yeah, like, and I mean, so it goes. It's kind of. Uh, I think of a more complex idea as opposed to let it be. Yeah. A novel is more complex than a that's pop song. Of course. So, I mean, uh, that's to, to compare it, it may be unfair, but that, that was the immediate thought that I had that they kind of, they seem similar, but they're complete opposite ideas. I got you. The last song nominated for Record of the Year was The Carpenters' They Long to Be Close to You. Uh, this is a popular song. Actually, made famous by The Simpsons, right? <laughs> I was going to say, actually written by Burt Bagarach and Hal David, and most notably recorded and performed by the Carpenters. And yes, this is Homer and Marge Simpson's song. Whenever Marge appears, Homer hears this song. I thought that I thought that was interesting. I, I didn't realize that until we started doing research for this song or for this episode. I actually love this song. Like I didn't think I would at first. But you were telling me it. while we were getting preparing when we had a plethora of time to get ready for this because of my back. 
Because I remember I, you said the song kept growing on you, and you thought. Because I remember we talked about it because I know you had been listening to a lot of the music, and I, I, from what I gathered, I didn't think you would like the song. And we talked about it, and I was like, not disappointed, but I was like, no, you gotta listen to it more because I, I I just liked it so much, and, and I sometimes I'd be pushing that shit on people, so I'm trying to back up. But I liked it. I think there's a breakdown in there that I like so much. She says something like, "On the day that you were born, the angels got together and decided to create a dream come true." So they sprinkled moon dust in your hair and gold starlight in your eyes of blue. I can't sing. She sings it wonderfully. You're never going to get that moon, du- moon dust out of that hair. <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you. Her, right? But I thought it was a really lovely breakdown. I thought it was yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I mean, the lyrics are good. I don't think they're mind-blowing. Agreed. And it, the it's actually, package They say is, the same thing often. So it's not it, that... I agree. It's not like a complex song by any stretch of the weird. get a weird, like... Luke and Leia from Empire Strikes Back vibe with the Carpenters. Like, they could start making out at any moment. I'm pretty sure that did not happen. I'm but, just saying. But I hear what you're saying. I, I, saying. I got you. I got you. It is a little they look, odd. They look eerily alike. They, I mean, they're fine. brother and sister. They're brother and sister. As they should look somewhat weirdly. Probably. Um, <laughs> Understood. No, it's a, it's a, like this, this song, too, has been like in my consciousness since I was a kid. Like I, I've known this song for, I, forever. I was listening to this song. I made my dad. I went to visit El Salvador, and we were already playing this episode a long time ago. So I made my dad, my dad listen to the to the mix, and I asked him which song he liked the most. And surprisingly, he told me that he thought this was the one that he liked the most out of the five that he listened yeah. to without listening to Delphonics. So the song it it has the sweetness and like the the, the real melodic like poppiness of Let It Be and Bridge Under Troubled Water, but it's just not nearly as depressing as those two songs. Well, and, that, and that's the thing is like. For me, as I say, those songs are supposed to be uplifting and hopeful, as is the Ray Stevens songs, but it's not like it glosses over stuff, so it's not as good as it could be, where this is not glossing over. Like, this is a person that likes this other person an awful lot, like, you know, and like... It's a happy song. They're telling like, me, you know, like... Let It Be and, like, when I say Let It Be and Bridge Under Troubled Water are depressing songs, they start... Bridge Over Troubled Water. I you Flood. They start... They start from a point of... Of depression, like yeah. bad, something bad is happening. Right, right, right. So I'll be your human bridge, or just <laughs> screw it, let, let it, it be. be. Right? Right, right, right. So right. because something like what you you don't let things be if they're great, right? Like oh, this is the greatest thing ever. You know what? I'm gonna just you know what? Right, let's right. just yeah. let this situation go away. So like they have to, you have to start somewhere, and the Carpenter song just kind of starts with. You're fabulous, and I want to be exactly, exactly. <laughs> the bird. Like there, there's like like there's stars are falling, like, moons are exploding, or whatever the hell is happening. It, this dude's so awesome that like she, yeah, yeah, it's wonderful. Exactly, it's like nice the, the Earth is falling off its axis. We're gonna like fly into orbit and never come back. It's crazy. So it, it's a really like uplifting song, and outside of every, everything is beautiful by Ray Stevens. Which is gar- garbage. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, then, I mean, that's a positive song, yeah, right? I'm but with you. like, I'm totally. if I'm looking for a positive song out of this group to keep, it's it's uh, close to you by the Carpenters. It's far superior to that song. I agree. I think it's yeah. I may have just changed my mind as yeah, we're talking about. I got you. I got you. For okay. me, the last song. Now, not for me. Now, onto the song that was not nominated for record of the year, but should have been. And as far as I'm concerned. Better than these five songs. Same best for last. And that is Didn't I Blow Your Mind by the Delphonics. Or Didn't I Blow Your Mind This Time by the Delphonics. I, I think it's just the best song out there. Like it, it, It's sonically different than the other five songs. And it starts out 
with just horns. Like it's like, oh, I was. This is different than the other stuff. So uh, yeah, and that's the way I thought about it too. Like when you hear the horns blow, it's kind of like pay attention. You're about like not only are you am I talking about someone's mind that I've blown. Like you're about to have your mind blown. With how good this is about to be. Exactly. And and like, as I was saying, the three other songs that are so happy and unified, again, we know it's kind of fake. And with like, and with the Carpenters, we know it's a little schmaltzy, but still lovey, you know, like real true. Like, not schmaltzy, that's not the word I'm looking for, but it's, it's not poppy the same way the other songs are poppy. Like, yeah. it's a little bit like soft. It's a little different, but it's, it's wonderful. And, and that song is true in an actual like well stuff this song is similar in that sense that it's true like it's some real stuff well, this is the other end of the spectrum right of love from where the Carpenters are the Carpenters are like burgeoning love this is all like this is like this is this the is, end of it. it's, end, it's ending it's over and like so these all all these songs the, the well the two song the two big songs Let It Be and Bridge Over Water. Water seem to be some kind of like Trying to tell you how to deal with diver- like adversity. adversity. Yep. So this song, and with those, it just seems it's kind of like you know, put your hands into something in a higher power or something else. And with didn't I is like no, I'm taking care of the situation, and I'm leaving you, and I'm blowing your mind while I'm doing it. You didn't think I was going to do this. It's kind of like having like a real positive attitude in in an adverse situation, taking charge of a situation. And not letting, you know, the chips fall where they may, you know, being an active participant in your life. It's about keeping shit real, right? Yeah. Like, that's the bottom line. Whereas the other ones, again, for me, aren't that. And, like, I think you mentioned it off mic, and I think it's kind of fascinating. We were going through a pretty tumultuous time in the country in the 19th, yeah. late 60s and early 70s. There was no schools getting shot up by, by the military. You know what I mean? Like, it was really tough. Like, it was not a good time. And, like... You're talking about those songs, but when there's problems, it's like, let it go. Or well, these, Yeah, these songs seem to be a direct response where, to, in some way, shape, or form, outside of uh, Close to You, which is just a classic love song that could have been any year, you know, probably nominated. But they all seem to be kind of like uh, in a direct response to like 1967, 68, 69, and 70. Like, it's like, it's like you said, it seems like it's like these white people are realizing stuff's bad. For the first time. Wait, well, yeah. So we talked, and I said, "Well, it was, we talk about America in general. It was, it was like white America was having a lot of issues. You know, they were kind of getting ripped apart through with the uh, with the war and uh, Nixon being elected and the protests and all that. And how they were dealing with that is reflective in those yeah. three songs, particularly yes. the Ray Stevens songs, yeah. the, the the Beatles song, and the Art Garfunkel, uh, Simon Garfunkel song." At the same time, there's a whole other population of people that are living through all this stuff for a long time. And they're like, "There's been adversity." To the party, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like I can say that white America never had adversity, or some did. white people don't have adversity. Black culture as a whole has faced way more adversity. Has that faced adversity in the United States of America? Far more. That's, Simple as that. I don't think that's that's not even I don't an think. argument, right? Okay. And so, like, so, again, when I look at when I listen to "Did Not Blow Your Mind," it's like dealing with a situation like a grown up. Whereas these other songs, you're not necessarily dealing with situations as grown-ups. Like, you need a little bit of help, I got your back, you know? Yeah. Like, um, as you say, I can't deal with this, I need help from, from somebody else. And that's not a bad thing. I like, think it's just where help. I, like, it's yeah. good, you need help, I get that. But but those songs aren't, we, as we'll get to in a little bit, we know that it's not real what they're doing. Like, we know it for a fact, whereas with Didn't I Blow Your Mind, it's real. Like, we're breaking up. It's over. You know what I mean? Like, it was tough what was going on, and I'm done with this. To me, 
what didn't I? What that song does is it it gets right to the core issue. Like like if you're trying to heal something, right? It goes right to the source and heals it. Where Let It Be and um, Bridge Over Troubled Water are like a balm, mm, or just kind of nice. like yes. co- covers up the wound, but the something's still festering underneath. So they to me that's why they don't do anything. Didn't I? Does everything. Does everything. Like it's it's just. It starts out with a confidence that you don't really get in Caucasian or pop songs. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> so, beautiful, yeah. Absolutely. And it just and then it, it kinda gives you a little bit of mellow melancholy and then it takes you right to like, you know, like just flat sores, right? Absolutely. And I don't think those other songs, I mean, none of them do that. And it, it's working on a, such a complex level of emotions and and, and and how to deal with adversity that these songs are these songs are all kind of like static baseline like they're not moving no. up or down and I agree absolutely agree like I think that it's it's just uh it just like sounds better it's just different like we, we read this book the book in Fire and Rain and our Garfunkel mentioned like wow he was kind of surprised the Beatles made Let It Be because it sounds an awful lot like Bridge Over Troll Water I, I totally agree with that sounds it like sounds, hey, sounds like Hey Jude too like it, it's not to me that. Let it be. It wasn't a stretch for mm. the Beatles. I got. I feel that, but it's still similar to what Bridge Over Troll Water was at the time. Whereas again, yeah. didn't I blow your mind? Is completely and, a, and, a, and another similarity Sonic between those two real. songs. Not only were I mean they were written in the same kind of tumultuous era, but they were both written influenced by gospel music, hymnal music, and they were both offered to uh, Aretha Franklin. And she said no. And she said no. Yeah. And. Aretha Franklin did cover, didn't I? And like any musical genius, she turned it into her own. It was it's awesome. I mean, right? I and uh, you know who else covered, didn't I? New Kids on the Block. I didn't know and that. Yeah, they turned that into that. A, from a, they took it from a man. They song. changed the name a little bit. They changed like they, they tweaked know. it a little. They, I remember, it was, I know, it was, I for a fact. It was awful. <laughs> they didn't have the horns weren't in it. They had these squeaky, <sighs> somewhat prepubescent voices. Ugh. I, like I said, they took it. They they took a man song and turned it into a child song. Incredible. So, so obviously, we feel pretty strongly about "Didn't I Blow Your Mind." But before we give the real verdict, I just want to talk about a couple of the other nominees that year, just real quick. Sure. If that's right with you. Like, I thought that uh, I found it fascinating that that Jimi Hendrix "Star Spangled Banner" was nominated that year. It lost to "Theme from Z" for for Harry Manson. For what 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 category? Uh, best contemporary instrumental performance. Mm-hmm. Best Country Western Vocal Performance Duo Group. The nominees were Johnny Cash, June Carter, If I Were a Carpenter. That actually wins. I love that song. Like, and there's the other big one was was uh, Dolly Parton and Porter Wagoner. Daddy was an old time preacher man. Both those songs are better than. <laughs> That's what I'm Ray telling Stevens. you. Just keep on coming. The best recording for children that year was Children's Television Workshop, Sesame Street. Uh, we talked about them a little earlier. And who you just mentioned, Aretha Franklin. She turned on both those songs and went on to record "Don't Play That Song," and she won the, the uh, she won the Grammy that year for Best Rhythm and Blues Vocal Performance Female. She went up against Nina Simone's "Black Gold," Esther Phillips' "Set Me Free," Dee Dee Warwick "She Don't Know," and Candy Station "Stand By Your Man." If you listen to any of these songs, again, there's some real shit going on in the lyrics here. It's, it's real stuff, like absolutely, absolute real stuff. Best Rhythm and Blues Vocal Performance Male was BB King's "The Thrill Is Gone." Like that's it was a big year. That, if that came, if that song came out that year and it wasn't nominated for Best Record, that's what I'm saying. The, the new artist category that year wrong. was uh, the nominees were The Carpenters, Anne Murray, 
Elton John, the Partridge Family, and Mel- Melba Moore. Again, the Carpenters win. So, Album of the Year nominees that year were Simon and Garfunkel, Crosby Stills, Nash and Young. And nominees for Song of the Year were, were Bridge Over Troll Water, Let It Be, James Taylor, and, and Ray Stevens. The reason I'm bringing up the songs when I was talking about how, like, we know that they're fake, and I've been holding that, like, against these songs, both Simon and Garfunkel and the Beatles had broken up by the time the songs were released. Yeah. So like you're telling that it's an uplifting, hopeful, unifying message, but like you're not. You know what I mean? Like I mean, it's you wrote, not. You basically wrote songs about how you felt about your band, right? That's, like you're looking I mean. for a way out, like and because Bridge Over Troubled Water is like looking for a way out, right? That's, that's you're basically you're looking for help somewhere to a way to escape the tumultuous situation you're in. And same with Let It Be. So again, so, fake. They're not really like they're not what they purport themselves to be. Is what no, I feel like not they're, at all. they're totally faking. That, that's what I felt like. And I just wound up. And I say I found that the nominees that year were really, really fascinating. It was a big year of music. Also, like I think 1970 was overall with the sports and the movies a pretty huge year. Oh, and then the last thing that I want to mention is that as I say, these guys broke up. What you end up seeing is that with with them breaking up, with the Beatles breaking up, and I mentioned Crosby, Stills, and Nash and Young because they also broke up and were huge that year. Yeah, but in their in their instance, they broke up and got back together like eighty. Agreed. That's the, that's why they're better. I was actually going to say that at the end. That's why I wish that the Beatles would have done. But the point is that by break, all these bands breaking up, it essentially ushered in the era of the singer songwriter. Yeah. All these dudes, except for Art Garfunkel, for Art Garfunkel, want to release mega albums. You know what I mean? Like, 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 like John Lennon's single album, too. Paul McCartney's single career takes off. The best of the Beatles single album for me was George Harrison's, though. I, th- I thought that he did a great yeah. single album. An odd fact about uh, Paul McCartney and anyone who reads the internet would okay. know this, except for you, maybe. He he didn't have his first number one record until he released uh, Egypt Station this year. Oh, I know that. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay, I thought And we... he's never won. He's uh, No Beatle has ever won either part of the Beatles or apart from the Beatles has ever won Best Record. Really? Yeah. yeah. That's very interesting. Insane. That's, that's awesome. I love that. I mean, that's the greatest. Yeah. Neil Young ends up releasing a whole bunch of albums. Like, everybody, everyone that broke up there with all these unifying songs, because the Crosby Souls and Nash Young, they're, they're nominated for Best Album of the Year. Deja Vu is another one of these, like, hippy-dippy, like, we're going to stay together. And in these songs, there's songs about relationships that had already ended. Like, like they'd already broken up with the girlfriend in this song that I sang about. Like, it was, again, kind of fake. And I kind of hold that against these guys because when I listen to Didn't I Blow Your Mind this time, it's like the realest song out there, like, in here. And you even said it best. A bunch of the songs that were nominated for other awards were better than the songs that won for Record of the Year. For sure. That Aretha Franklin song was amazing, by the way. Like, like, don't play that song. Speaking of uh, uh, bands that broke up, I heard... I also believe that uh, Ray and Stevens went their separate ways. They should have done after. They should have done that right after they recorded that song. <laughs> Anyhow, back to the back to the topic at hand. I'll start off. I think that "Did Not Blow Your Mind" was the best song out of these, and it should have been nominated. And then it wins. I give it the alternative history. Yeah, I went into this thinking that I wasn't going to give it to him, and then halfway through, I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to give it to Carpenters because I think that's the only song that was really any good. And then I went back, and I'm giving it to Deny. Do do I think if it was revote? Like sometimes I have a hard time like deciding how I'm going to look at this. Like, do I think 
the voters of the Grammys from 1970 would reconsider and put them into the category and revote that? No, no I don't think no, so. No, no, not I mean, I think I think a lot of Grammy voting has always kind of been off the mark. I mean, we covered that in episode two with yes, Metallica. Metallica, exactly. But I know it's a superior song than all these songs, and it's it's just better. You should it's listen truer. to it. Everybody should go listen to it. It's just a much better song. It's a realer it's song. A real song. Yeah, you you yeah. can hear the Beatles, and they're great, and they have better songs than that song. Like I think that Simon Garfunkel had better songs. Not to say that song wasn't wonderful. Didn't that blow your mind? It's just better. It, it reminds me of like watching a. I watched that Celtics Laker documentary, and your boy Karambas had something like, "This was the first series I played in where we were playing great, and we could still lose." And that's how I felt about these songs. Like they were good, yeah. But man, did that Boy is just so much yeah. better? It's a wonderful song. And we didn't even mention we were really turned on to this song from the Jackie Brown movie, which, by the way, I think is Quentin Tarantino's best movie, which we've also yeah. talked about in the past before. We you gave him the you, kiss. You of death. think it's his best movie? I'm not so I'm sure, but I definitely yeah. think it's his best movie. I also think it's Samuel Jackson's best movie. So uh, there you have it. We have given the 1971 Best Record Grammy to Delphonics and their awesome song, Didn't I, in parentheses, blow your mind this time. So we are the Alternative History Podcast. You can reach us at on Twitter at, at AltHistoryPC. Uh, we're on Facebook, Alternative History. Email is AlternativeHistoryPodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. Do you think that we are terrible and we don't know what in the Hellman's mayonnaise we're talking about? My voice makes you want to pull out your eyes. Anything, let us know. We can appreciate you, it. Can you tell how handsome I am just by hearing my voice and heavy breathing on this microphone? We are also on uh, Google Play and iTunes. Please like, please subscribe, please give a thumbs up. One thing I want to say, too, is we apologize for being out so long. We're going to be coming out with new episodes on a regular basis now. And what we, I would like to do, we're always asking uh, for new listeners. So if you listen to this podcast, tell a friend. And it helps a lot. Everybody tell them helps. to tell a friend. And tell them to tell a friend and spread the word. I know we get listened as far away as England and as near as making my wife listen to it. Forcing her. Making her download it on her phone so I have another download that I can cheer about. But but in all seriousness, if you like it, listen to it. Tell a friend. Tell them to tell a friend. Word of mouth is enough. Make this show grow. We've said it before. We, we, we appreciate those that are already listening. We know you guys can be doing other stuff with your time. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Bye.